Hello, everyone. Welcome to the SciCast podcast, second season. My name is Ashton Noon, and this podcast is about psychology and mental health. But this time, with a new season, we have a new topic, which is life and healthcare and the process of getting there. This will range from therapists to sleep medicine professionals to medical students, so make sure to stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the SciCast podcast. Today, our guest is Dr. Agarwal. She is a therapist and licensed professional counselor with a PhD in counseling. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to meet with me. Great. I'm so excited to be here. So I guess my first question would be just like, what made you decide to be a therapist? Yeah, so I got my undergraduate actually as part of a criminal justice degree, Mm -hmm. and I had wanted to work with victims of crime or abuse or children who had experienced trauma at the hands of offenders. Mm -hmm. And I recognized that I wanted to continue on and pursue my license to become a counselor uh, because I felt like this would be the best way that I could really help with the population I wanted to work with. I see. And that's why you chose like, uh, I don't know, like a younger uh, audience, like like for your clients. Um, Yeah. And you mentioned before that you mentioned uh, that you specialize in like play therapy. Do you Mm -hmm. mind explaining what that is? Yeah. So play therapy, we have this belief that children don't necessarily communicate with words. They Mm -hmm. don't always have the capacity with development and they're, you know, still working to gain verbal expression, but children play as their language. And it's really a universal way of communicating. Children across all cultures will play Mm -hmm. to express themselves, show their world, show a little bit of their experiences. If you ever have engaged with children, you'll see that they'll play and they'll model behaviors that they've seen or they'll play out times that they've gone to the zoo or gone and done different experiences. And so children, when they experience a traumatic event, they have to play through and use play as a way to process. And it's really a natural and cathartic way to work with children and meet them where they are and uh, help in the healing process. I see. And then like, how do you use that for like the, like with your clients? How do you yeah. Um, implement that. Yeah. So I'm trained in basic play techniques. And so mm-hmm. the therapy room, so it's not, children are not going to respond to a traditional therapy room where there's a couch and there's a chair and right, a desk. Right. So we have play rooms. And so in the play rooms, we have different types of toys and these toys are chosen specifically to meet different categories. So there's mm-hmm anger and expression toys. So there might be Nerf guns or like punching bot bags, things that can allow that expression of anger or aggression that sometimes occurs when there's a trauma. We have real life and nurturing toys. So we have baby dolls, we have a dollhouse, we have a kitchenette usually where there can be like playing out cooking scenes. Mm-hmm. And then really what research has shown is that the most played with toy in a playroom is actually the sand. And so we have a sandbox Mm -hmm. with sand and a shovel and a bucket. And this can be, you know, if you think about as an adult, how the beach can sometimes elicit some calm or some stress relieving or a way to kind of have that catharsis. It's the same for children too. And so they'll get lost in the sand to self-soothe, especially after 
processing and playing through a really traumatic event that happened for them. And so I read on your website that you have experience with working with other mental health professionals for mm-hmm. therapy. Like, so what's that like? Are there like common trends among those clients or? Yeah. So I do believe that as professional helpers and professional counselors, it's important that you are also engaging in the therapeutic process, right? Mm -hmm. We cannot expect our clients to open up and let us in if we're not willing to do that ourselves in a therapy space. And so with those clients, you know, I think it's very similar to how other people would enter it. A lot of times clients who are helpers or therapists themselves are talking about family dynamics, their own traumas that they've experienced. But I think the what makes it different from other clients who maybe don't have that helping profession background is there's also this weight of I, how do I care for others, right? How do mm-hmm. I go into a space and work with people who maybe have had a very similar trauma that I have? And how do I keep those separate, but also meet them at that human level? And then across, I guess, not just therapists, but like children, adults, do you see other like common issues or like reasons for their problems? Yeah. So trauma is usually can exacerbate if there are any existing mental health concerns. But I know that since the COVID pandemic, there's been a lot of anxiety and depression symptoms that have kind of shown up in therapy just because Mm -hmm. the whole world, we were really thrust into this global change, right? And this global emergency in a way. And so it affected not just, you know, our own abilities to cope because a lot of times, you know, for children, they maybe had school as a coping, as a way to maybe get out of an abusive home environment. So they had school as a routine. Adults had their routine. That was taken away when COVID mm-hmm. happened. And so I think that now that every, the world is starting to kind of get back into things, we're still having some of those lingering effects. Right. And actually, I think uh, COVID was actually the reason why I got interested in like therapy and psychology, because I saw so many people around me, like you know, fellow peers who were being like affected by mental health because of COVID. And I got lucky because I got to hang out with my cousins, like, you know, Elsie, right? I got to like live with her for like a year. So that was the main reason. So I want to ask about how did your work change during COVID, during the lockdown? Were there any like extra difficulties? Yeah. So with the shutdown, not only, you know, were businesses closed, you know, people were told to really kind of shelter in place and, you know, to decrease the rate of exposure to COVID. But as a therapist, having to kind of shut down the in-person services that you were providing and shift to telehealth was a bit of a, you know, culture shock, I think. You have built up this foundation of skills to relate to somebody in person and get to, you you see their nonverbals, you get that in that different type of contact, right? And then when you move to virtual, I actually had to start providing different types of services for children because virtual with children and not having the playroom, not having kind of the standardized procedure of working with Mm -hmm. children was not helpful as much anymore. So I had to work and shift into more parenting work. So meeting with parents virtually rather than the five-year-old child that was my client and providing the parents support to be able to help and kind of be the agent of therapeutic change for their child instead of me. And I know it's like kind of post-pandemic now, almost kind of been three years, but do you still see those like effects? Like, do you still do a lot of like telehealth with a lot of clients or? 
Yeah. So a lot of my adult clients that started in telehealth have actually mm-hmm. chosen to continue in telehealth, even I though see. now I am back in the office. But all of my child clients are in person. It's something that was too difficult to do yeah, virtually yeah. with children. But there are some play therapists who actually you know, developed a virtual playroom and mm, virtual okay. services to work with their child clients. And so I think it's now kind of therapist and client preference on the way that they want to meet. I do still see some teen clients virtually. I see. And this is kind of like on a, a general question, but like, what do you try to do differently than other therapists for your your clients like is there something you try to do differently or I think I come from a very person-centered lens and what mm-hmm. this means is that I really believe that the relationship that I build with my clients is foundational for change that it's not necessarily about the technique that I always use but it's about providing this environment of empathy and acceptance and mm-hmm. unconditional positive regard and genuineness And so I think that that is sometimes, you know, a different approach. I think a lot of mental health professionals will, you know, even though they might really look at client-centered and want to kind of meet the client where they are, there's a lot of pressure within the mental health field to meet different outcomes or meet different kind of standards of care, especially with insurance companies. They're going to be expecting different behavioral measures to look at progress. And I come from a very, a lens of, I believe all relationships are the medium of healing that people heal and grow and learn through relationships. Mm -hmm. And I know like, I don't know, therapy is becoming more uh, accepted, I guess, more, more, more normalized recently, Mm -hmm. but do you still see any like stigmas in the field or even by like professionals happening? I think there's still a stigma. And I think even though mental health has really grown in its social media presence and Mm -hmm. presence with, I think, the younger generations, right? Even you knowing about mental health is something that I think in my generation was still not really talked about. It was still considered more taboo. And even with the amount of mental health exposure, there can still be misconceptions. There can still be some misinformation. And so I think that You know, sometimes I have a client who comes in and they maybe still have a very specific idea of what is going to happen or what Mm -hmm. therapy looks like. You know, I think it's a blessing and a curse a little bit of people are more seeing therapy more. It's being portrayed in the media. It's being portrayed over social media. People are talking about mental health, but there still can be misinformation or confusion. And so I think that if anybody is thinking about mental health, go try it for yourself. And I also, you know, tell clients when I first meet them that if this doesn't feel like a good fit, if this feels like you're not, it's not meeting your expectations, let's talk about that. Let's talk about, you know, what would it look like to find a different provider? Because I think sometimes people think you have to stick with your therapist, but Mm -hmm. It should be like you can shop around. It sh- it should be something that I need to right. find somebody that I can fit with and trust and feel like I can open up to. And then I guess among my age groups, I know I I know some people who like you know have therapists. Do you see any common I guess trends among like teenagers or like common issues maybe regarding school or something? Yeah. So I think that, you know, for for high school students, there's a lot of internalized expectations, whether that's messages from social media or parents or school. I think high schoolers are putting a lot of pressure on themselves to, 
you know, be perfect socially, be perfect academically to, you know, never mess up, never make mistakes. And I think that that sometimes can build up over time and cause a lot of, you know, stress and questions of, am I doing this right? Did I say that right? Did I, you know, am I good enough? Right. And I think that that's kind of the trend that I've noticed. Just, you know, it's almost like this, I've got to catch up. I've got to be, you know, at this point. And that point is really hard to meet. Mm -hmm. And I guess like one final question, I guess for the audience and for me, actually, what kind of advice or tips would you give to someone like trying to get into the field of psychology or therapy or something like that? Anything? Yeah. So I think that's a great question. I think, you know, asking yourself, you know, what does my ideal job look like? And I Mm -hmm. think looking up job postings of that. So if you think, you know, oh, I'd love to, you know, be able to be a psychiatrist and prescribe medications Mm -hmm. and, you know, work with clients and patients look at what that you know degree looks like or what their expectations are in terms of these are the requirements for this job because i think you'll be surprised there's you know the mental health field is so diverse in the types of professionals the types of occupations that are part of it and so really thinking about what your ideal job looks like who what population do you want to work with and then seeing you know, what's that path to, to get to that job. And I think that kind of what you're doing, Ashton, of interviewing different professions and getting mm-hmm. a chance to get to know different styles, different yeah. types of clients is also a great way to start kind of narrowing down of what you want to do. Okay. Well, I think that's it for today. Thank you so much for coming on and talking with me. I loved, I loved the interview. Yeah. Thank you so much for reaching out and I wish you the best of luck. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much to Dr. Garwal for letting me interview you. It was so interesting to learn about play therapy and about therapy for younger clients like people my age. And I also appreciate the advice for getting into the psychology field. Thank you everyone for listening and I'll see y'all in the next one.